everyone. Welcome to Real Talk Therapy, where two therapists chat about the world of mental health, the things we see, and what it's actually like to be on our side of the couch. I'm Kate. And I'm Nushin, and we are licensed therapists who specialize in eating disorders, but have opinions about so much more. Oh my gosh. Nushin, a bonus episode. So excited. Bonus episode. And you know what? We're going to give props to my friend, Lori. She sent me a text today and was gave us this idea. And I messaged Kate and was like, we should do this now and drop it in between episode two and three because it's super relevant. So today we're going to talk about how to... <laughs> I can't even say it. How parents know a therapist isn't the right fit, but also as we talked about it more, it's also being prepared for that too as a parent of what the therapy experience might be. Yes, because the first thing I thought of when you told me about this topic, and I think it's because I'm not yet a parent, was more from the clinical side of um, parents basically giving me their kid to fix. And when I provide suggestions of things they can do to help or ways that they are not in fact helping, I become the problem and I'm not the right fit. So I think this could be a really good nuanced discussion. And I also think it's important to know that we are a little bit biased because we are therapists. And so we have a bit more insight into as parents, and Kate will be one soon, I'm a parent of a nine and seven-year-old, and I'm not ashamed to say that they're in therapy um, and they find it really beneficial. We are the family of therapists (laughs) seeking individuals. But as a therapist, it's a little bit easier for me to see if someone's the right fit because I might ask the questions um, and see you know, whether the dynamic makes sense. But I really think the biggest thing too is your kid's comfort level, like depending on their age, trying to explain to them where they're going and what they're doing, I think is the first really important step. Um, Because the way that you explain it to them could totally turn them off. And this could be, you know, from age five up. And, and, an individual's experience in therapy is going to differ from adolescence through teenhood, which that's when things get a little bit more difficult. Um, so I did just want to throw that out there that like we are a little bit biased, but we're hoping that our feedback will help you guys kind of look at this with more of like that therapist lens on when you want to support your child or someone else's child and giving that parent some feedback as well. So Nushin, you mentioned that your girls are in therapy. How do you as a parent know that their therapists are the right fit for them? So I um, thankfully really trusted this practice and this practice owner that they see. Um, They don't see the practice owner, but the practice itself, they just have a really good reputation. So when my oldest started, um, she was kind of seeing more of like a traditional kind of talk therapist And what we found was she kind of hit a bit of a lag, maybe in progress or even wanting to go. Um, And I think she just needed more of an experiential approach. And so this practice had an art therapist and she loves art. And so I was like, you know what? This could be really great. She's not going in and talking about deep, dark shit. She's just going in and like learning 
better emotional regulation skills, the stress tolerance, like learning more around like the best ways to interact with her siblings or her friends, like just some really basic stuff that I wish they taught more of in schools. And I think they're starting to do a little bit more of that, at least in the schools. But um, for me, it was just really understanding and I guess my perception of what her experience was, especially going there and leaving there. She wants to go. If she didn't want to go and that did happen, that was something for me to be aware of. Like, why doesn't she want to go? How am I feeling with this therapist? Now, depending on the age of your kid, you as a parent might be involved a bit more um, in those sessions. But it, I think it also depends on the therapist because I did notice that difference between one therapist would bring me in every time. And this other one's like, it's up to you and it's up to her. And so I always put the ball in her court. Do you want me to join you today? Is there anything you want to talk about? Um, so yeah, I said a few different things there, but. Um, I like what you said about kind of putting the ball in her, your daughter's court um, in terms of like, is she excited to go? Do you want me to be there? Because I, I think when you're a kid, you have like no control over anything. And so I know part of parenting is giving, like, we call them like parent choices where it's like, you're giving two options, both of which are going to be what you as the parent want them to do. Like, do you want to brush your teeth in the bathroom or do you want to brush your teeth in the kitchen? You know? Um, But I like that you kind of give her the agency there. And I wonder if for parents that are listening, if that can be helpful for them too, just because then it feels less of like, my mom's making me go. And it's more of like, I'm choosing to go because it's fun. Yeah. And, and when someone feels forced, when anybody feels forced to do anything or or doesn't want to go do this one thing, they're not going to allow themselves to be in that experience and understand the benefits, whether you're five, 10 or 15. Um, I do think, though, if people are coming across situations where, you know, they really think their child needs some support from a mental health space, maybe they're noticing an increase in anxiety when school starts or they're saying some really like mean things about themselves, you know, around a parent Um, or perhaps there just seems to be an increase in anger and aggression, you know. There are times where even if the individual doesn't want to go, we want to try to help them get to that space. And so it might be, I'll just go with you and we'll be together in that session and figure out what makes sense. And hopefully the more that the child can start to trust the provider and trust the consistency and feel safe in the room, then there can be like maybe a decrease of, you know, a gradual decrease of the parent being in the room. Um But, you know, in our last episode, we've talked about green flags and red flags for finding a therapist for ourselves. I think as a parent, how do you know whether a therapist is the right fit? One, how do you personally feel with them, right? Like if you are in the room and you're like, "Eh, I don't know, this chick doesn't seem or this guy doesn't seem, you know, the right fit. Like we have to trust our gut, I think, in those situations. And we talked about that too in our last episode, like trusting our guts a little bit. Maybe we shop around. Now that's hard with the child. You don't want to, I guess I'm I'm hesitant to say, yeah, let's like try all these different therapists out with the kid involved. Maybe it's more the parent is interviewing or doing consultations with these therapists first to see how it feels and then bringing the kid in. So that's a little bit different, right? Than when we're looking for a therapist for ourselves. That's a really good point because I imagine that as a parent, 
You don't want to keep having your kid do an intake, especially when they're younger. I think teens might put up with it a, a little bit more, but like they'll get sick of it soon too, you know? And for a kid, you don't want them to keep talking and saying the same thing to different people. Like, I think it would be kind of confusing, but yeah, I just thought that was a really good point about, um, as the parent doing more of the consultations before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that another thing to look out for as parents, when your child starts seeing a therapist too, is how is a therapist perhaps involving your child or you in like goal setting? Like, what are we working on here? Um, because it, there might not be something super specific. It might be more general and that's okay. But wanting to make sure that you feel good about it and that your kid feels good about it. So like there have been times where, I don't know, like one of my daughters might say something that I could totally probably help support them with. But if I know they have a therapy session coming like that day or the next day, because kids work such short term, I might say, hey, you know, that might be something to work on with Miss Kate. You know, you could talk to Miss Kate about that tomorrow. What do you think? Right. So, again, giving them some of that control and seeing how they do with it um, is really beneficial. But again, like I want to remind people I'm a little biased, like it's a little bit easier for me to navigate this process. Um, But there are times where it's really interesting because one of the things we mentioned earlier was like, are you ready for the feedback? And not that I've, I don't really think we've specifically ever had like any negative feedback around anything, but, you know, there have been things where it's like, you know, being curious about something and then, you know, it kind of like it does, it like causes a little bit of discomfort. Um, and you have to learn to like, kind of check that too, like in front of your kid or in front of the therapist and just be curious about it. And I think a really, another really important thing is whether, you know, you have a relationship with the other parent or you don't, or you're co-parenting or whatever, the hope is that the parents are kind of on the same page too with all this, because that's really important. You want the children to feel like they can work on these things or rely on both parents around the similar, I think, the goals that are that are coming up in those sessions. Yeah, I feel like having the parents on board is really important um, because, you know, in our practice, we typically will see like our youngest will be like 12-ish. So we're not seeing kids, kids, like we're seeing 12 and up. and we have found that the the t- adolescent clients that tend to hit maybe some plateaus in treatment um where they're coming to therapy they're really engaged and they're doing great work with us um but then they go home and maybe the parents are reporting that things are still continuing to remain the same a lot of times there's a family dynamic there that is playing into the behaviors And when both parents aren't on board with the therapy, that usually means that the family dynamic isn't changing. And I'm by no means saying that changing a whole dynamic is easy. I imagine that it brings up a lot for parents to have a professional saying that something they're doing is leading to their kid feeling X, Y, and Z. Um, I know that someday if I have kids in therapy and they're talking about me, I'm going to have all kinds of feelings about it. But I think that it's important for parents to recognize that, like, you know, we know that as parents, you're doing the best that you can. You know, we we totally recognize that. 
And so our feedback is coming more from a place of, you know, just wanting to help your child who's our client. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a really difficult part as a parent putting your kid in therapy. Mm-hmm. And you're touching a bit on as well, like when does family therapy get recommended to, right? So, you know, we can meet with an adolescent or your child can, you know, meet with a therapist. And whenever the therapist finds there is a wall being hit, or even as a parent, you're like, I don't know if they're really making any shifts. That's when thinking about, well, could family therapy even be helpful if there is this like family dynamic that's coming up? Um, But I think, you know, if you have a child in therapy and you don't, you're just not sure whether they're a right fit. Again, trust your gut, have a conversation with the therapist. Like there is nothing wrong, especially with adolescents and teens with emailing your therapist and being like, can we have a conversation or a short session without the client? I just want to check in, see how things are going because parents are such an important part of the equation and not meaning that they're contributing to what's going on. That I mean, that happens, but also just from an information gathering space, like I know for us, like we're only getting what the client decides to share with us. And we can always tell when there's like something that doesn't feel right. So it's like, you know what? Let me reach out to the parents, see if they're open to, you know, having a 30 minute session with me without the parent. And, you know, there is the confidentiality piece that we share with all of our clients, whether you're an adolescent or an adult, that we're not sitting there and reporting everything to parents. Like that's not ethical um, unless there's, you know, abuse or, or harm or safety involved. But it's, I always, no matter what the age of the client and say to them, like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I'm probably going to just chat with your parents for a bit. like. Is there, does, do you have any questions about that? Does any of that make you feel a certain way so that they still feel like you are their therapist and you are not the family therapist? And that's when things get funky. There are some people out there that do both and it's probably not the most effective. I know we don't like to do that in our practice. For me specifically, if I ever have a client who is an adolescent where we do some family work, which is appropriate, like here and there. Um but when you feel like it needs to be a lot more consistent at the and the family needs to be treated, that's when we refer out, but then still keep working with our child. Yeah. And I, that feedback piece and the way that you're looping in parents, um, I think is a question that comes up a lot. And it's something I like to go over with parents, whether I'm doing a consultation with them or even during the intake, because I will say, I think there are some therapists that do report back everything their kid is saying. And that is not ethical. Like it's still a safe space for the child. Obviously we have ethical duties where, like you said, if there's a safety issue or something, then that breaks any confidentiality automatically. Um, but like, you know, imagine being like a 10 year old kid in therapy and you're supposed to be talking to them about how you're being bullied. And now it's all getting back to your parents. Like it sort of defeats the point of therapy. Like it's no longer like this safe space. And I think that there's a place for parents getting updates. Um, So I always like to talk with my families about this in the early sessions of, you know, I'm not going to report back everything. Here are the conditions where I'm going to, whether you as the client want me to talk to your parents or not. If you're a risk to yourself, if someone's harming you, like confidentiality goes out the window automatically. 
what I like to try to do, and I think this is more applicable with teens than kids, is if there's something that I really think the parents need to know, I try really hard to get the teen client to the point where they can share it themselves. And it can be with me. Like, I'm more than happy to be there. Um, But I think sometimes, even as a parent, I imagine it's more impactful to hear things from your own child than to hear it from the therapist. Um, And I'm always, you know, happy to shoot someone a quick email. Like, if we'd had a conversation last week about certain dynamics going on, even in the therapy room, um, I might shoot the parents a quick email the, the next week and be like, hey, just wanted to let you know that this session went a lot better. We're on the right track. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But I think different therapists do feedback differently. And I think it's really important as the parent to ask about it up front so that you know what to expect and you know um, when it's appropriate for you to be reaching out to the therapist. Like sometimes um, if something's going on at home, we'd love to hear from the parents. We just might not respond right away because we want to try to bring it up in session to hear how that's going to. So have an upfront conversation about that for sure. Yeah, I like what you said about, you know, encouraging the client to talk about it with their parents. That's something I do as well. Um, and if it's in session and the ther- and the parent is out there in the waiting room, I might say like, hey, do you want to bring them in? We can talk about it right now. Like I can share it um, or you can share it. Like obviously you sharing it is what's most important. So it really just depends on the comfort level of the client. And it really does like help them practice of like effective ways of communicating with people and seeing that they can be safe and heard because there are probably some people that can't share that can't share certain things with their parents at home so to be able to do it with us and feeling heard hopefully and feeling safe is really important um please nush and i always tell the client too if they're like hesitant about it because they're afraid of their parents reaction i always say like hey like you trust me, right? Like we have a good relationship and they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, like I'm here to support you. So if mom pops off, like you expect, and honestly, that doesn't usually happen, but in the off chance that mom pops off, leave it to me. Like I will, I will work kind of from your corner here to get mom to a place where she's regulated and can hear you. And again, it, it doesn't often get to that, but I think that does provide some comfort or the child of knowing, like, I don't have to manage my mom's emotions or my dad's emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important to communicate that, like, they're not responsible for their emotions. Um, so one thing I wanted to say, too, was this happens a lot where, you know, a kid might go to therapy. Maybe they're doing it for a while. Maybe they've only done it a few times. and. They're like, I don't want to go anymore. I don't like them. This doesn't feel right to me. Okay. Like validate them, letting them know you understand. Maybe saying, hey, can we go in together next time and like talk about what's coming up for you? The kid may refuse and say, no, I don't want to. And, you know, it's up to you as a parent. You know, it's really important that we learn to communicate when things don't feel right to us. So we're just talking about basic assertiveness skills. And we, as therapists, as we've talked about, are trained to handle these conversations, specifically even around termination. And so if it gets that space, 
giving them the opportunity to come in with you to talk about what's going on and the concerns, because there could be a lot of different reasons that's going on. It could be they just it's bringing up some shit for them and they don't feel good and they don't want to go anymore, which is probably a good thing. We want them to feel that. Or it could be as simple as they just don't feel connected. The therapist isn't a right fit for them. And so as a parent, being able to be a part of that journey for them and help them explore and then also giving the therapist that feedback can help everybody work together in deciding, is this a relationship we want to continue? Is there a shift? Maybe we reduce frequency for a little bit. Um, Maybe they're feeling a little burnt out. Who knows? There could be a lot of different reasons why that's happening. Um, But I think the biggest message we want to share is going in with them and talking about it with the therapist. Especially too, like maybe the therapist fucked up. Like there have definitely been times where I know I've experienced a rupture in my relationship with a client. And honestly, like sometimes it's on me. Sometimes it's miscommunication. Sometimes I said something that landed differently than I intended. And for the client, it really led to this rupture in their trust in me. And for my teen clients, that might look like, mom, I don't want to, I don't want to see Kate anymore. And they might not tell you as the parent that there's been a rupture. And they might not even tell me that there's been a rupture. And now all of a sudden they don't want to go to therapy anymore. And for me as a therapist, like I want to know, I always tell my clients this, like if I say something that hurts your feelings or offends you or makes you feel like I'm not hearing you right. Like, please tell me because I want to be able to repair that. And part of therapy is working on your ability to repair these ruptures. And so like Nushin was saying, by having these difficult conversations with your kid and the kid's therapist, like we're teaching the kid how to assert themselves and say to say to someone like, hey, when you said this last week, that really upset me because of X, Y, and Z that's happened to me. And now I feel like I can't really trust you. And any good therapist will apologize, repair it. If they get defensive as a parent, that's, that is a red flag for you because our job as therapists is to not take things personally and to be able to hear feedback. And yes, sometimes there's a lot going on in that rupture, you know, and that's something that hopefully can be worked through. But I think that can be an incredibly powerful message to your kid of like, I hear you that you don't want to go back, but let's have a discussion with Kate, the three of us to see what's going on. And I, I've definitely had occasions where people were like, I didn't think I wanted to see you anymore, but that conversation actually made me feel a lot closer. Yeah. It, I mean, it just goes back to a big part of therapy is being able to be vulnerable and practice the skills that we really want to be able to have in the quote unquote real world. But being able to apologize as a therapist is so important. I mean, we're human. We all make mistakes. I can count, you know, a few times where I've said something and like probably immediately regretted the way I said it. And in that moment, if I realize that I will say that like, hey, you know what, that kind of came off not in the best way. I'm just, I didn't intend it to. Um, whether or not the client, you know, reacted or not. And then there have been situations where, you know, after the fact, you find out that maybe something you said didn't sit well. And and if a therapist isn't aware of that happening, it's most likely something that triggered the client too. And so then it's helpful information for you to be aware of like, oh, this person 
this one comment around this one person in their lives is hard for them or that dynamic. And so maybe that's just something for me to be aware of as a therapist that I don't bring it up or talk about it for now until that person's able to kind of understand and regulate themselves more effectively. But I think that in the end, if your child is in therapy or if you're looking for a therapist for your child, like the number one is trusting your gut making sure you're having conversations with them beforehand around you know what you're hoping for for your child and that your child is also has some buy-in and an openness to trying this and seeing what happens and you don't have to they don't have to see them weekly you know depending on what's going on and with children specifically finding a play therapist is really helpful or an art therapist i think traditional talk therapy is probably more appropriate for like probably ages 10 and up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so looking for specific specialties, like if your child is really into music, finding a music therapist could be really helpful. Um, Equine therapy, like there's just so many different ways of incorporating just like taking care of our mental health. Um, But if at any point you just don't feel like you're being heard as a therapist, as a parent, I'm sorry, by the therapist, or if your child is coming back with just like, negative feedback, that's definitely something to be curious about. I mean, it could be legit or it could be, you know, it's just hard for your child and they just need a little bit more support from the parent in that moment. Yeah. I think it's really hard for parents because typically you're not in the therapy room and you so badly want your kid to be helped. And so when you start getting negative feedback from your kid about therapy, you know, that's got to be kind of scary because you're like trusting them with this adult and really hoping that it works. And I think it can be really hard to know kind of what's going on (laughs) because you're not there. And so I think for us, the biggest thing is to, to reach out to the therapist and ask questions. And if you need to have a session together, have a session together, because, you know, I think I mean, I could never be a therapist for kids. I think it's just way too difficult. Um, And, and therapists that specialize in working with kids, you know, they'll know how to handle this stuff. And I think sometimes as parents, we don't know, we, I guess I'm a we now I'm with you guys. Um, you know, we, I don't even know what I was talking about. I just got totally sidetracked by how I said I was we when it comes to parents and how I'm part of that group now. So I don't even know what I was going to say, but yes, it's your your pregnancy brain. (laughs) Oh my God. Just like totally slipped. But yeah, talk to the therapist. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, when you're looking for someone, I think also like talking to people in your, in your networks and in your circles too, because odds are you have friends that have children and therapy. And if they're having a good experience, like, would they be open to, you know, your, your child seeing them too, assuming, you know, your child and their child don't have a conflicting relationship, but, um, or even just in the practice in general. So it's always nice to like, kind of, check in with your circles and see who's having like good experiences. I know that I've referred a lot of my friends to the practice that we go to and they're all having really good experiences. So it's nice to know when you have like some solid people to refer to. Yeah, that's really important. Um, I don't, did you have anything else, Kate? I know we like totally talked about doing this episode and five minutes later hopped on Zoom to record. So (laughs) we're hoping you guys enjoyed this and found this helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was, this was fun. I'm like excited to have a little bonus episode here with some bonus content. So I think that covered everything I had thought of. 
All right, cool. Yeah. And if you guys have any other questions or thoughts around this, feel free to um, send us a message on Instagram, which is at Real Talk Therapy Pod. Please follow us, like us, subscribe, review, all that fun stuff. Um, you can email us at Real Talk Therapy Podcast at Gmail. We're happy to answer some of those questions um, as long as not as long as it's not having specific clinical information about your child. But if you just have some general questions around this stuff, we're happy to answer and even share them on our social media so that others can benefit as well. Yeah. You know, one like shameless plug in here um, (laughs) for our Instagram is that part of why we like having Instagram is because we can share even more content between episodes. Um, So this, we just had too many opinions about. So we created a whole bonus episode about it. Um, But if you follow us on Instagram, we definitely try to engage with people that way too, so that there's even more um, information based on what we're talking about any given week. Um, So follow us, ask us questions. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Kate does a great job managing our Instagram feed. She's always posting um, just related topics to our upcoming episodes and fun things that she shares. So uh, we would love to hear from you guys, or if you guys just continue to listen to us, we are more than happy with that as well. So thanks for tuning in and um, we hope you enjoy this bonus episode and we hope to have more of them soon. Woohoo! All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.